This week, I have a full-length interview with Desiree Tinoco. You already know her because of her weekly updates from DCI, but I thought it was time for you to get to know her more in depth. I'm Renee Nelson, and this is Unsolved Wyoming. tell us why don't you tell folks about who you are Desiree and your background and where you're from anything that you think you want people to know about you sure so I was born and raised in Kansas City Missouri Uh, both my parents had been in previous marriages and had children my elder brother Robbie he's a state representative in Missouri attorney and he's also in the military so quite the quite the guy to have a reputation there and my older sister, Bonnie, who's an artist and also a missing persons advocate. She's a big reason of why I got involved in missing persons. So my mom moved me up to Montana when I was 10. And uh, later she had two more children. We lived on our reservation in Browning. Uh, we're part of the Blackfeet tribe and moved all over Montana. We also lived on the Crow Reservation as well. I ended up moving to Casper shortly after meeting my husband, and we have two children together. We've been together 15 years. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. So so you have a sibling who is, so your sister is in a missing persons advocate, and where is she out of? She's in Missouri. She still lives in Kansas City, and uh, she runs the missing persons uh, Missouri page there. Oh, wow. Okay. So did she start the page before you started your page? Yes. Yeah. She's had her page for several years. Um, and, that, you know, when I started my page, it, I noticed, and I, we can get into that later a little bit on why it happened, but I noticed my group exploded and hers had been around for years and it's a much more populated area and it wasn't getting that same kind of traction. So that was kind of one of the red flags that I noticed wasn't, um, you know, so something was off with Wyoming at that point and what the state was providing to the public and per capita for missing persons and you know that kind of stuff but yeah she, she's ran her group for for quite some time um i think she's around fifteen thousand members now and you know it's pretty active missouri has several missing persons cases um a lot of theirs are you know sadly there's a lot of sex trafficking in that area uh of the country so um there's a lot of movement on that group wow Wow, that's I think that's so incredible that obviously there is this kind of kinship that's happening within your family about being passionate in terms of helping missing people and their families and providing a space for folks to communicate and be able to post about their about their loved ones. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's been wonderful. It's really eye opening. Um, I never thought that I would be any sort of an advocate or be in any sort of a spotlight. So you know, now, now that we're here, I, I think it's wonderful um, meeting all these other people that are so passionate and involved in it as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to see there's so many groups popping up for, for different states and areas and communities. No, I think so too. I think it's incredible. You know, it's almost 
like wildfire where you know the you know one starts and then all of a sudden these other little pockets catch on and I think that's really powerful and shows yeah. the importance of just somebody starting a beautiful ripple effect I constantly see that uh, either members of the group the group itself uh, simple things that I've asked government to do it, it's wonderful to see this uh, chain reaction definitely and so let's get started with you know why you decided to start the group what was going on that you you decided that you were going to wake up one day and say I'm going to start a missing people of Wyoming Facebook group so like I mentioned my sister you know she had a uh, Missouri missing persons group and it was kind of always in the background throughout uh, the years I looked at what was going on in Wyoming for Facebook groups and pages and there really wasn't a whole lot out there and uh, you know eventually I, I just, I'd had enough of it. There were two cases in particular where these two men, separate cases, they had gone missing and they both had questionable lifestyles and they weren't getting that same kind of attention that you see with like the Gabby Petito case and um, which was a couple of years later, but it was frustrating in that moment to see, you know, their families didn't ask for this. And I don't think they necessarily asked for these kinds of lifestyles. So the idea that, uh, for whatever reason, they're not good enough. All of a sudden, they're not human and they don't matter. Really upset me. Uh, a, a friend of mine had told me, you know, she's she was a friend of one of theirs and knew of the other one. And it was just so heartbreaking to hear that th- there wasn't like an outcry from the public. And so law enforcement at that point doesn't go above and beyond. And then media doesn't have something to report on. So it's a vicious cycle that happens with those cases just like in the opposite direction that happened with the Petito case, which her own family has come out in support of, like, you know, all cases should get this kind of attention. This isn't fair. And, you know, they've become wonderful advocates for missing persons and understanding that there was privilege in that case. Uh, you know, sadly, it was still a horrible case and they've suffered, but they they got this acknowledgement. Um, it's not every beautiful blonde woman that goes missing that gets that attention, but they're statistically much more likely, um, you know, so focusing on injustices and missing persons, um, indigenous people are less likely to get attention, uh, people with questionable lifestyles, middle-aged men that go out hunting, uh, all those cases don't seem fuel of fire with, with the public necessarily. Uh, so that was a big part of, of why, you know, just getting an equal platform for all missing persons cases. Absolutely. And you have been so successful in that. And so I started following your group before the podcast. I want to say maybe, I don't know, a couple months before, maybe when I started the, my true crime literature group. And I definitely noticed that across the board, people, you know, were posting, you know, all walks of life of people who had gone missing, you know, within the group. And so, you know, from the Wind River Reservation, you know, from, you know, all corners of Wyoming, I think that was what was so impactful about watching the group. I also think that, you know, what you said, you know, commenting back on, you know, Gabby Petito's case, you know, where, you know, you were saying, you know, certain cases, there's nothing for the media to report on. And the opposite, you know, direction, like you said, it was like every little detail of Gabby Petito's case was being reported on. You couldn't get away from it for an entire day, you know? And so, you know, it was just so, it was, it flooded the media. And so, you know, 
and I guess it's about finding finding these balances, um, you know, from one extreme to the other, where, you know, maybe we don't need to know every single detail, but we still need to know, right? So that sure. way people can be, you know, on the outlook and be helpful to investigators and, and law enforcement, but not to the point where we were so, you know, inundated with, you know, every single development, I think was, it was, it was very overwhelming. Yeah. I, and I think also getting into like conspiracy theories surrounding cases, uh, there are like, I think there there's pros and cons to that, but you get so invested and set on proving a specific idea that you lose track. And that's why like law enforcement, they have protocols and, you know, when in doubt, I always turn to like, well, if, if they don't want it released to the public or it's, it hasn't been released by, you know, by media, then it, it doesn't deserve time on this platform. There are other groups that specialize in that. And I'm sure they've done, you know, wonderful work in that aspect. Um, and I am greatly, uh, you know, I greatly appreciate that loved ones of those that are missing. And uh, there's, there can be a lot of finger pointing and, and people don't know behind the scenes what law enforcement has done and nor should we, as members of the public, it's really none of our business. Um, our job is to share missing persons flyers. And if you see something, say something, if you have something to report, go to law enforcement. Right. I definitely think that is the catch 22 of social media is that it's such a fantastic tool of getting information out. But then we're not being mindful of, especially with people who may be, you know, spreading conspiracy theories or saying things that necessarily don't have, you know, solid ground, you know, but uh, that family members of that person who is missing or has been harmed can be reading that information yeah you know and so there definitely is that lack of empathy of you know putting yourself in other people's shoes you know people tend not to think about the family members they tend not to think about loved ones when they go on these weird conspiracy conspiracy theory tangents about oh this is what happened and you know this is what I think and so on and so forth and so you know I think that's that's really gosh, how re-traumatizing yeah. to the family to have to read through those comments or watch those TikToks or watch those YouTube videos, you know, about people who don't put like a real person or real people behind that missing person. Yeah, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. We have several uh, family members of those that are missing on the group. And uh, the last thing I want is for them to see something that would be offensive or hurtful about their, their loved one um, or, or blaming a, another family member or something. You know, that's just it's it can be disheartening at times to see that happen. Um, you know, it's just it's just really sad. Uh, but a lot of times we don't have we typically don't have that issue on the group. But, but the other concern that comes with that that I, I think people can forget is that. I don't legally want to be held responsible for anything um, that were to like transpire. And so, you know, allowing a platform for negative speech about anyone until they're proven guilty is just not accepted on the group at all. I think that's a really smart idea. And I think that's something really important that folks should know is that your group is pretty heavily moderated. And so I, you know, you're, you're pretty present and I know you have some other moderators who are present. And so you're pretty, you're heavily moderating the group. And so that you're pretty quick to take down anything or not approve anything that doesn't meet the group guidelines. 
Yeah, and it, it usually comes from people that honestly don't know. They, it's, you know, they just, they just want to speak out. They don't really think about that at first. And so once they do say something, you know, I, I politely let them know, like, you have to agree to follow the rules when you join the group, et cetera. And it, you know, the conversation um, almost always is very uh, polite and courteous. And it's, you know, nobody's trying to go out of their way to be offensive. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. That's that is good to to for folks to hear. And so, and it's not just the other thing. The other piece I want people to know about too within your group is that it's not just Wyoming people. I mean, you have people from all over the country who are in this group. And so, I definitely have seen comments. You know, when you do share a missing person flyer, that you know somebody will say will comment and say Sheridan, you know, Wisconsin, Sheridan you know, Duluth, whatever, Minnesota or whatever it is, you know, and so like there people are sharing this stuff all over the country. It's not just a Wyoming centric group, although focused on missing Wyoming people, but it is, you know, it's nationwide. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's really wonderful to see that. I, you know, it always kind of, I'm in my own little world, so I don't realize how far the group reaches. And in my bubble, I don't understand. And then all of a sudden something like that happens. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to see, you know, somebody all the way in Florida sharing a post or, you know, the heartbreaking thing is sometimes recently, I think, you know, the mother of somebody that was missing from New York shared on the group. And I try to keep stuff Wyoming related because otherwise it would just get from states, but in missing persons cases, boundaries, uh, state state borders, and um, you know reservation lands those those are some of the hardest things to navigate in a missing persons case. So it's it's really hard to tell somebody no to not share something, especially when you have like the mother of a missing person and you know frantically searching for them. Thankfully, with that case in particular, their their child was found shortly after. But the idea that you know this poor woman is frantically sharing on groups all the way in Wyoming when she lives in New York, you know, says, says something about her passion and and how far the group really can um, help. Definitely. Can you, can you tell us about your journey about getting this group started? So you kind of told us about the, you know, kind of the inception of the group. And so, but what's your journey been like getting this group going? It was definitely overwhelming at first. Uh, You know, I, like I said, I waited a while to start the group. I've never ran a Facebook group. I've never been a monitor or an admin on a group or a page. So I was really hesitant. Um, I tend to be very outspoken, but not like a leader, I guess you could say. And so it was a big, um, that was a big shift for me and something definitely out of character to, to do that. But, you know, like I said, when those cases came out, nobody was speaking about them. I was I was like, I don't care even if I fail, whatever. At least I could say I tried. And that's definitely out of character for me as well. I don't like failing, so I'd rather not try at all. And I reached out to a friend who runs, he's ran a few pages and groups and, um, you know, just trying to get advice. And he's like, be prepared for, for failure. And you know, explaining how to like set the group up. And, and it was, it was great to have that. And I remember there being a shift happening where the missing group got bigger than anything he'd ever ran. He was like, this is out of my realm. Like, I don't even know anymore. Like whatever you're doing is working. I don't know. Cause I've never been able <laughs> to get a group this big. So I was like, wow. Okay. That's yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, once, once that had happened and, you know, I just, 
those beginning stages, I, like I, I thought it would be successful if, you know, 300 of my friends on Facebook joined and, you know, I remember uh, hitting a thousand and that was really exciting. And then once I went to a Modest Mouse concert with some friends and my daughter at Red Rocks and I looked up what the capacity was there just out of curiosity. And at that point I had more members on the group than there were fans. And I just looked out at all these people and thought that there, are, there are more people in support of this missing persons movement than there are here for a fun time. You know, like I just thought, wow, that's as sad of a topic as it is. It's so great to see, um, you know, your community come together. And that was like just sitting there and, and listening to this beautiful music in this, you know, beautiful place and all these people and they all have the same mindset. They're all there for the same thing and thinking that group had done that you know, even more than that. At that point, I think we were at just over 10,000 members and, and now we're at um, over 20,000. So I was, uh, that was like a big, that was a big shift. And that was when I realized like, this is something much bigger than what I'd ever intended to do. That's, you should be so proud of yourself <laughs> and so proud of the group. That's incredible. I'm so proud of the group. I, I don't like to take credit for it because all I'm doing is filtering information through from what you know family members and concerned citizens have have told me you know and just I just happen to be the the person that's decided to start it there's there's a lot of people behind the scenes that do a lot more work with you know no recognition at all and uh, I greatly appreciate them for it well Desiree I think you're being a little too modest because that leads us into our next question of what is your biggest success today because I know and I think everybody else should know all the amazing things that you've been able to accomplish with your work and advocacy of missing people of Wyoming. Sure so I mean obviously every case that gets solved or even a tip that comes in through the group is you know I back to when I started it thinking like if it just solved one missing person's case I would consider it a success and every time you know we get uh, information on cases I just it's it's just wonderful to see that i think that's um you know that's what that's what we set out to do in the first place um and then you know branching off from that uh things that we we never expected would happen so initially when i started the group i was looking online for anything provided by the government for missing persons and and nothing was available at that time and so working with DCI, they, they actually reached out to me. Frosty, the director of DCI, is a wonderful guy over there. Um, he, uh, he called me up one day and was like, I hope you don't mind. I got your number from Chief McFeeters. And uh, he's the police chief here in Casper who I'd spoken with regarding missing persons. And he was like, I think you're really onto something here. And, uh, you know, it's something we can definitely look into. So they redid their whole website and made it much more accessible. They're missing persons database if that's what you would, would call it at the time had 12 older cases and you know was not current at all they've had funding issues and they you know i understand why things have have transpired the way they have when i brought this information from families of those that were missing and and showing them what other states were doing especially states in our area what they were doing uh at that time we were one of only 12 states that didn't have their own database now we have the national database name us, but I think what a lot of people um, forget or, or fail to recognize with that is 
that is for typically older cases. They won't deny a case from being entered in their system, but they typically wait two months, I believe it is, before they themselves will put them in there, um, unless like a family member or, you know, a law enforcement reaches out to them for uh, in particular uh, case. So, you know, getting DCI to to get that database up. I just remember when that story broke, it, like I couldn't, my phone, I had thousands of notifications. I mean, daily I have hundreds of notifications, but but that day in particular was, I, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up with it. I just went numb and uh, I still like, I'll get choked up over the idea of it. Like, you know, we, we did this, this, this wasn't me. This was a joint effort. I don't think anybody would listen to me if I myself came to them and said, hey, I have this idea. But when you have 20,000 people behind you and pretty much it's a common voice being said, then that's something to really pay attention to. You know, it was amazing to see them be able to do that. Kara Chambers, Emily Grant, you know, Frosty and, and a few others, Katie over at DCI, she runs their missing persons database. And and coming up with suggestions and kind of getting a feel for for what we needed was just it was just uh it was so wonderful to see that everything that was suggested that could be done, law enforcement and government. Uh, cute idea. Now get back to the kitchen. You don't belong here. Um, you know, I have no background in this. I'm a stay at home mom. And I, you know, I just seeing it completely come together. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was just wonderful to, to work with it. And I still work with them, you know, uh, Katie over at DCI all the time on cases and, and, and trying to get information out there to the public. I, I just think it's wonderful to see that all transpire. I think so too. And you are definitely one of the first people that I was referred to when I started poking around about the podcast. And so, you know, and I think that's something that's really fantastic is that you are a well-known name within the Wyoming community of true crime, you know, missing persons. They're like, you need to contact Desiree. So, I mean, you've definitely, you know, you say, you said earlier, just, you know, a couple minutes ago, like, I'm, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, but I think you should definitely, you know, I think you're such an example and, you know, an inspiration for other women, you know, specifically about, you know, being a, a stay-at-home mom is, has given you so much in terms of that ability to, I, I know you're an inspiration to me and I think you've been so helpful in my journey. And so I know that, you know, it's one of those things that I never, never would think of you as just a stay-at-home mom, not that that's not an amazing, you know, title within itself, but that you're doing so much within that world. Well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. I believe uh, Kara Chambers was the one that suggested you contact me. Kara Chambers is a wonderful woman. And she's she the is, yeah. Director she of, uh, well, she, okay, so she's the chairwoman of the Missing and Murdered Task Force for Indigenous that I'm on. And there's, you know, like, I, I don't know how many other people that are on that, all amazing people that specialize in one way or another with missing Indigenous. And she's the the head of the victim's advocacy for the state. And so she's, I told her that job was made for her. She was not made for that job. That job was made for her. And she, like, she's an inspiration. And and Emily Grant as well. They're, they're both uh, amazing women. And, uh, you know, anytime I have any sort of like idea or something, I, I love that I can just bring it to them and, and it it comes to life. It's that simple. Like if you have a suggestion, especially when it comes to government, you know, instead of sitting around and complaining, uh, we're all definitely in Wyoming, we're for small government. And I definitely support that. At the same time, if you see an issue with government or something within your community that you don't like, go to officials, ask them why they're doing what they're doing and, and see what they can do to improve that because they work for us. 
Um, and, and so that was, you know, wonderful to, to work with them on, on this stuff and bring, you know, concerns of family members of those that were missing to them. I've known, you know, an odd amount of people who have had loved ones go missing. Um, I personally don't know anyone that's gone missing, but gosh, you know, at this point, I think I have like five, five or six friends that have had missing loved ones or they're friends of the family of, you know, friends with the daughter of somebody of, and it's just crazy to think of that many people, uh, you know, that, that I know that have personally been affected by it. Uh, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really eye opening, especially when I have a, a, a friend that I've known for years, right down the street, she lives right down the street from me and her, and her cousin went missing. And it was a long and dramatic case. And, you know, Sadly, they ended up finding his remains, but that was when I like, I, I can see her house from my front porch and the idea that that's how close I am to it, that, that before that I tried to cut off, like it gets depressing, it gets sad, it gets scary. And to emotionally cut off is much better because it'll eat your soul alive. It really will. But when it comes to your front steps, it's kind of hard to, to not emotionally handle it at that point. Definitely. I, I, I totally agree. It's, it's definitely one of those things. The the world of true crime and missing persons, especially in Wyoming, where it's such a small, we're such a, you know, we're a big state, but we're a very small community, right? And so, you know, it's easy for it to be, you know, one or two per- people removed. And so it's kind of hard to escape that heaviness of it and so and it's not something like watching Dateline or 2020 where it's a story you know about you know somebody in you know Florida where you know we're very far removed from it and we're watching it you know passively but it's when we're reporting on cases or talking about you know reporting numbers from DCI or or cases from DCI it's so much more than you know we're doing community work which means then we're affected because it's our community members yeah yeah definitely And that is, that is heavy. It's definitely, definitely a shift for me as well in terms of, you know, talking about it in a classroom setting and teaching these cases from all over the country or even, you know, even Canada, I I have a case from Canada, but then, you know, for it to all of a sudden be, you know, my back backyard, so to speak, it really is, it does take a heavier, heavier toll. So the next thing that I wanted to bring up and give you the opportunity to talk about is what's next for for missing people of Wyoming? Sure. So there's a couple of projects that are still in the beginning stages that I can't quite speak on yet, but I'm always pondering over ideas and how we can improve things. Uh, but we did just officially become a nonprofit a few months ago. So and of course, you already know this because you're on the board for it as vice president. And I appreciate that. Uh, so that's really new and exciting and a little scary. Uh, now there, it's a lot more official. And, you know, up until this point, I haven't really had to have checks and balances or answer to anybody. Uh, so it's it's definitely a, a learning experience, but honestly, kind of easier than I thought. Like if, if somebody's out there listening and, and they want to start a nonprofit and they're scared about doing it, like if I can do it, there's nothing in your way. You, you can most certainly do it. And you know, I'm very, very excited for that. So trying to get our name out there for that, uh, working on, you know, uh, getting out to the community. Always, you know, the biggest thing about the group has always been is reaching out, getting bridging that gap between law enforcement and the public. So, you know, the 
this will just make it that much easier to do that. And I'm, I'm very excited about, about this uh, upcoming year and, and how that's all going to transpire. Me too. I'm, I'm so excited to see you taking this step with the, with the group and becoming a nonprofit. And so, and I'm super just, you know, excited to, to help serve on the board and to serve in that capacity. So it's been, it's been really exciting just to see you, what you've accomplished in the short time that I've known you. And so I think it's just impressive and incredible. And, you know, I think becoming a nonprofit is just going to give you even more resources to advocate and help people, you know, missing people of Wyoming and their families. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like the the finances that have gotten in the way up until this point, you know, we, we I've done this all myself. Uh, most of it has been time, but also there has been things that I've had to, you know, spend my own money on. And um, which I'm not at all complaining about. I've, you know, been very excited to do that, uh, for, you know, for the group and to get awareness out there. But this will definitely open up a lot more opportunities for us as a whole. Absolutely. Well, Desiree, is there anything else that you want to share about the group or about your journey or about you? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Again, I really appreciate everyone and all their support and, you know, advocating for missing persons and, and sharing flyers. It's It's been wonderful to see that. And so since I already have you on the line, Desiree, do you have any new updates for us from DCI? Sure. So they have three resolved cases and one new case. And also there was a case put out by Rock Springs Police Department. I'm sorry, Rollins Police Department. And that was resolved shortly after they posted on Facebook about that. Uh, So the resolved cases from DCI are from uh, Hot Springs, Sweetwater County, and Atrona County. And they have one new case. Uh, Gracie Big Medicine, age 16, was last seen in Lander, Wyoming on July 21st. She's a Native American female, approximately 5'5", 150 pounds, with brown eyes and red hair. She was last seen wearing a black shirt with sunflowers, green pants, heart-shaped sunglasses, and carrying a small gray and green colored backpack. She has pierced ears and a scar on her right arm. Anyone with information, please call the Lander Police Department at 307-332-3131. And with all cases, you can contact Wyoming DCI. Their number is 307-777-7181. Awesome, Desiree. Thank you so much. And again, I'm so glad that folks had the opportunity to learn more about you and your group and your journey and all the amazing things that you are doing and advocating for missing people of Wyoming. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate, uh, you know, the podcast, getting it out there to the public in every way that we can. So I appreciate you taking the time to interview me for this as well. I actually had the opportunity to meet Desiree in person today, along with her two kiddos. Desiree is everything I imagined and more. She may think she's just filtering info, but it was immediately apparent to me in how she was with her kids and how they lit up around her that she has this calming effect. She also has this lightness that's balanced with this fire that's easily seen when she's talking about her work. Folks, Wyoming is lucky to have Desiree in it, and I'm forever thankful to be working with her. Make sure you join me next week for another case.